1: Are we supposed to get married?
0: I'm going to just swipe left. I just want somebody to share my life
1: It's that clarity and that focus that helps you to go on your last first date.
0: You can keep waiting for the fairy tale, or you can get on board with the new rules of relationships. If you've read my Date Lab articles in the Washington Post, then you know this ain't your mama's love advice. This is Dates and Mates with Damona Hoffman. Hello, lovers. Welcome to another delightful episode of Dates and Mates. Most of us have a relationship that we... We wish had worked out a little differently. We think about the one that got away. We wonder how we got to a turning point in our relationships. And we second guess everything. Or is that just me or no? <laughs> you know that's everybody. And you know that's a normal part of the dating process. But sometimes we get caught up in patterns which consistently lead to making choices that keep us single or keep us unsatisfied in our relationships. And if this speaks to you, then today's show will remind you that you have the power to create the life you want and deserve. That's why I have dating and relationship coach Sandy Weiner on today to talk about the hidden reasons why we sometimes choose wrong in love, and she will share the skills that lead to our best choices and ultimately... Our last first date. But first, I've got a tantalizing dish for you. How dating became like shopping and what you can do to get a good haul. Then later in Dear Demona, I'll address this question. I'm ready to meet my match, but he wants to wait longer? Is this a red flag or slew love? (laughs) All right. I hope you're hungry for some brain food because it's time to dish. These dating dishes. GQ magazine tells us that predate questionnaires and follow-up surveys have basically made dating like shopping now. This article queued off of a TikTok that was published by a user named Channel Everything, showing what Tinder would look like if there were reviews on dating profiles. And a lot of people fell for it and thought it was legit. They were like, oh, thank God, Tinder is finally doing what we need and giving us reviews so we can see, oh, this guy has one star. This person is a five-star dater. And it brought up a lot of discussions about having pre-date questionnaires, predate vibe checks, and even post-date surveys. Now, I have a lot to say about this article because there were some things that they got exactly right. And there were some things that You know, I always got to say something about something (laughs) because I've been in the game for a long time, folks. I have been online dating since before swipe technology. I met my husband online and our 16th anniversary is coming up. So it's funny to me when people encounter something new and think that because it's new to them, it's new to everyone. But there's a lot we can learn from this article. And what they did get right is that the phase that a lot of people are in right now It hints at new priorities in modern dating. Efficiency and self-optimization are in, and romance and spontaneity are out. And I think there's something in that, but I would like to fine-tune that statement because I do think efficiency and self-optimization are in. According to this article, there are predictions that by 2035, more people will meet their partners online than offline. And... I think actually 2035, that sounds really far away. I think I would say it's going to be more like 2025. And what the article says is that the phenomenon of dating app fatigue gained prominence last year. That's 100% wrong. Dating fatigue has been a fixture of my dating coaching program for years. And prior to the pandemic, some of you have heard me say that I was always being asked about dating fatigue. I was having episodes, I was doing articles for different magazines about dating fatigue. And then we got a brief reprieve during the pandemic, at least the first year of the pandemic. And then it came back with a vengeance. So dating app fatigue is here. It's just not a new thing, but something new has evolved. And of course, you know, it's something new that's something old, just, just, Repackaged, but I love the word relation shopping. <laughs> that uh, this article said dating apps have basically brought us to. The article states the invention of Tinder and the swipe interface in 2012 also turned dating into a kind of metaphorical dating marketplace. Again, this is it's been it's been a marketplace. Dating has been a market since the beginning. Like saying the term "I'm back on the market" when you found yourself single, that's nothing new. But the thing that is newer since the advent of online dating, which, as you guys know, it expands way pre-Tinder by about 15 years. In that time, we began to realize something that this article focuses on, the marketization of love. And so there was a, a study that they cite in 2010, 22, dating apps have turned people into a carefully constructed brand. And the same way that you would sell an item online, you're kind of selling and presenting yourself. Now, I may remind you that I did write a book in 2012 that was called (laughs) How to Market Yourself for Online Dating Success. It's called Spin Your Web, How to Market Yourself for Online Dating Success. So um, yeah, we have been doing this for a while. We have been marketing ourselves. Now, my challenge here for you is if you feel this dating app fatigue and you feel this frustration around the reality that we are marketing ourselves for dating now, I ask, how can you flip your perspective? And if you're still looking at this as like this is Tinder's fault or this is online dating's fault or this is because of the swipe and I'm telling you it's not because of the swipe that we have been we have been in a dating market for since the beginning of time. I mean, think back to like uh, Jane Austen times, they they were writing about having parties and balls where you would meet somebody and size someone up based on all of these factors like how much money they made and how good they looked and who their family was. So, same thing, just different packaging. And can we reframe the way that we think of it and use this knowledge that that it has become a market the same way we shop now? Also remember we used to go to stores to do shopping and now we do a lot of our shopping online. So we used to go to bars and parties to meet people. Now we do it online. Can we gain that same kind of enthusiasm for the efficiency that the technology brings us? And can we see the positives in the broadening of our dating pool as opposed to seeing it as this never-ending slog? (laughs) And can we also... Here's the twist that it's not in the article that I'm adding. Can we bring a little more humanity to the process? Because when we say, "Oh, I really want a Tinder review." <laughs> I want to know what someone's star rating is before I go out with them. Can we remember that that star rating is totally subjective? I don't know about you, but I am deep in season 4 of Love is Blind. You know, this is one of my favorite shows. I love love the social experiment aspect of it, and I love what it teaches us about how we fall in love and what we are attracted to and what actually works in the real world. And we see on that show that that certain people are highly attractive, highly sought after for certain matches, and the other matches are like, ick, gross, this is not my person. So we cannot, we cannot let reviews, public reviews become commonplace in dating. That's when we really will have lost it. That's when we will have jumped the shark because that takes out all of the self-discovery. And the the benefit of having this widened dating pool is that you get to play the field. You get to sample the merchandise. You get to try on a bunch of different different options and you get to return them if they're not a fit. So while I do think you should be tracking for yourself, pre-date, post-date, mid-date, so that you can check in with how you're feeling on the dates, know that your reality with a certain person is not necessarily somebody else's reality, and your desire to shortcut this process, it's actually in your hands. It's not in the hands of the app. And having star ratings or post-date surveys and reviews is not actually something that would bring you more ease and efficiency and joy. It is something that will speed that road towards Romance and spontaneity being removed from dating. And the way that I talk about online dating and dating in general on this show, I just see dating apps as the tool to bring you the person. And yes to efficiency and self-optimization, but no, say no to losing the romance and spontaneity because once you use the tool and you learn how to market and do it efficiently, once you get on the date, you Can and should still have the romance, and you can and should still have the spontaneity. And that those elements are the things that still drive us towards human connection and that signal to us when somebody's a five star in our book. When we come back, Sandy Weiner will be here with us to help us sort through all of these choices that we have in dating and to teach you the skills that can ultimately lead to your last first date Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back. Sandy Weiner is an internationally known TEDx speaker dating and relationship coach, and the host of not one, but two podcasts, Last First Date Radio and the Woman of Value podcast. But, but, but wait, that's not all. Sandy is also the chief love officer at Last First Date, where her team provides group and individual coaching. And her new book, Choice Points in Dating, Empowering Women to Make Healthier Decisions in Love, is available now. So please, let's give big smooches to Sandy Weiner. So excited
1: to be here with you, Damona. I feel like I, I know you so well. I've seen you everywhere. I've been following you for years. We're Facebook friends. We're social media
0: connections. Same. It is long overdue. And like, like I said, I've, like you said, I've also been following you on social media. And you've been in the game for a minute, Sandy. You and I, we're like the OGs. You started yeah. doing Last First Date Radio how many years ago? Ten 10. So like right around the time that I started Dates and Mates. So we, we've been in the trenches together. And it was so interesting when I was reading through your new book, Choice Points and Dating, there were so many parallels to even exercises or philosophies that I tell my clients that I was reading this and I was like, independently, Sandy and I have come <laughs> to the same conclusion on many, many factors of finding love, of online dating, of keeping love, and of you know finding love again, maybe if you've had loss. But I really wanna zero in on this idea of, the, the book is choice points, right? The idea of decision and how, I, I feel like we really overall are benefited by having more choice but with more choice comes more responsibility. So I'm really excited to dive into this book with you today. Where did the inspiration to write this come from for you? Well,
1: there there were many times when I kept hearing, I'm not at choice. I have no choice. And one of the times that I talk about in the book is a date that I had with a guy who was widowed, and he said he had not been on a date since his wife died. And that was like, 15 years. And he said, I had no choice. I had run my own business, and I had young kids, and I had no help. I had no choice. And he kept repeating this phrase over and over during our date. And I mean, the effect it had on me was, I never want to date you again. But, <laughs> but I, <laughs> I felt bad for him because he really felt like he just had to put his life on hold to do everything else in his life. And yes, there were challenges, but we we usually do have many more choices than we know. And so people who come from dysfunctional families, which is most of us, people who have never experienced lasting love or healthy relationships, they often feel like this is my lot in life and I have no choice. And so that that choice points kept going off in my head. Like it's it just, I kept hearing it from clients and also just thinking about how many choices are hard to make, how many would be easier to make if we had more guidance, you know, just just stuff like that. Just was like, I have to write this book.
0: Yeah, you did have to write this book. And it, it's so beautifully done and it's so easy to follow along and see those moments of choice that we have. And I, I hear it all the time on this show too, there's a lack of awareness over how much choice we have, and I see it also as a lack of um, lack of clarity around the criteria by which we are making our choices. So I'm really curious because actually, I, I just finished I just finished my my book. It won't be out until January second. but until then. <laughs> Folks have your book to get all caught up on. And we both reference the paradox of choice, but we kind of come at it from different perspectives. I'm curious what you feel like the big takeaway is for your readers about this decision paralysis and being stuck in this paradox of too much choice in dating. This guy you were talking about, he felt like he had no choice. Now... I hear from all the people that feel like they have too much choice.
1: Yeah. Well, first of all, congrats on finishing your book. That's a huge accomplishment.
0: Thank you. (laughs) You know, this is your second book, right, Sandy? It's my second,
1: and I'm actually working on my third, and I can talk about that later.
0: (laughs) I'm a little crazy. It is quite an undertaking, so... um, but yes, I want to. I want to hear your perspective.
1: <laughs> yeah. So uh, there is the paradox of too much choice, uh, which is, I think, with online dating, a lot of people feel like I have too many options. I have, and and I do work with people who have too many people in their inbox, and they don't know what to do. So they're juggling ten people, and then they can't choose because they're just overwhelmed. And so that that is the paradox of choice, which is like if you were to get a new kitchen, you know, whenever people do renovations, and I talk about this in the book, if you were given three choices, you could choose more easily. Three choices of colors, three choices of doorknobs, you know, it's much easier than picking from this endless catalog. It overwhelms. And so our brains don't do well with too much information. But we do better when we can narrow it down. And the beauty of narrowing it down to two or three is that we can compare and contrast and really feel into who feels like a better fit for us as opposed to just always looking for what's next, what's next, what's next.
0: What about for those people who feel that the abundance of choice is affecting the, their potential matches? Like, those people have so much choice that no one is settling down. Now, I'm not saying this is true, Sandy. I, this is just what I hear. No one's settling down because there are too many options. There every The next thing is just always a swipe away. And so no one is focusing on me or on in what's in, in front of them right now.
1: Yeah, that's like the shiny, you know, the, the next shiny thing. And I felt that when I was in my 20s, when I was around tons of people in New York City. This is before online dating, but I was I was dating to get married. And I just felt like somebody would look for the person with a different color hair or, you know, an inch shorter. The, the criteria was ridiculous. And I think we can get really caught up in there must be another better thing. I don't want to lock it down. And I do know relationships where there's a man I know who's who's now it's his second wife. She said to him, "Hey, let's just focus on us and see if there's potential here." Because he was like stuck in that you know never-ending women line, and uh, yeah, it, it it ended up in him getting married to her. But he was kind of unconscious about how he was just. Dating and not really getting to know people. So it's, it's a consciousness, I think.
0: I agree with you. And it, in that story, the big flip is in your, your friend saying, I want this. I have clarity. And therefore, this is what I expect or want, desire, am asking for. And then the other person has a choice, right, to say, I want to be in this and I want to just focus on us or that doesn't feel right to me. But I see that too many folks are afraid to voice that want because, I don't know, Sandy, is it fear of rejection? There's
1: a lot of fears (laughs) in dating, as you know. Definitely fear of rejection. What if I... What if I speak up too soon? What if they feel pressure to date me? But I'm a huge proponent of communication, set boundaries, be clear with what you want and what you need, because you get to be more at choice than you think you are. And I can give an example even from my own life. Many years ago, I was dating somebody, and I think we were on our fifth or sixth date, and I liked him. And I said, listen, I'm really enjoying getting to know you. I'd like to just focus on you. How do you feel about that? That was it. It's not a high stakes, like I think you're my next husband. I'd just like to focus on dating you for now. And and he said yes. And in fact, he had to break off a date. He was He was supposed to go to a big dinner event and he actually asked me what he should do and i said that that's your choice it's
0: not mine <laughs>
1: you have to make the right choice and he invited me
0: oh i love it <laughs> more choice points in dating <laughs> that's right and you know what i'll offer a, co- a counter story to that story of um a number of years ago i was dating this person on again off again on again off again for 4 years we were we couldn't figure out what we wanted to be. And so I got clarity that I couldn't stay in the limbo state. Some, some of my listeners know this story. I did uh, a little piece on Calm about it. But if you haven't heard it, <laughs> <laughs> what happened was I got that clarity, and then I got that confidence. And you said, you know, it doesn't have to be a high-stakes situation. I, for me, the conversation was high-stakes because— maybe because of after four years of investment as opposed to, I don't know, six, six to 12 weeks of investment. But I needed clarity. And I said, Sandy, look, guy, I'm here. This is what, I need commitment. I need to not be one foot in, one foot out. I need to know that this is the direction we're headed. And I need to know where you're at. And you know what he said? Not into it. Like, I, he was like, you're great love this limbo thing. This is working for me. Great. But I can't be at this level that you're that you're asking me to be at. And I felt not, I thought I might feel devastated, but actually I felt relieved in just having the clarity, making the decision to speak my truth and then having the clarity to know this wasn't my person. And therefore I needed to make different choices, and turn my attention elsewhere. I ended up meeting my husband within about four or five months after that. That makes sense. And I just really feel like if I hadn't gotten that clarity, if I wasn't brave enough to really speak what was in my heart, then I, I may still be stuck in limbo. <laughs> and that's not fun.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a, it's a great story because it takes courage to confront that and to decide that you don't want to be that girl anymore. And that kind of clarity sets you free, but it does take some communication skills. It takes a lot of self-knowledge that this is not what I want. It also takes the confidence to know that, that there is something better out there that will suit you better than feeling the sense of anxiety or whatever it was you were feeling when you weren't fully in this relationship and he wasn't fully in i mean you were more in than he was but yeah i mean it sucks and so many people i did it i did it for seven years in my from 16 to 21 something whatever how many years that is i was in love with somebody who i never knew if he loved me i never knew how he felt i mean we were i didn't know we were exclusive he was my first boyfriend my first everything and I just kept bouncing back in and out. It was driving me crazy. And I finally ended it. And during my divorce, like as I was going through the divorce, I actually reached out to him. It was like this crazy thing. And I, I, all of a sudden, I had this courage to ask him questions that I never had before. And I have no idea what inspired this. But I was just like, I need to know how you felt about me. I said I was in love with you and he said oh I loved you I was terrible at communicating you were my first too I mean it was it was very it was great so mm-hmm. I had some closure there which was fun and then actually he came back into my life <laughs> he okay. got divorced and he came back in and it was again one of those I'm half in I'm half out and I'm like no not doing this not happening.
0: But Sandy, you kind of skipped over a part because you mentioned the divorce and you also talk in your book about you had a very different experience when you met, when you initially met your husband. It, it was not a <laughs> half in, half out. It was actually pretty quick. Very quick. Six weeks. <laughs> Six weeks from meeting to engagement. engagement.
1: Mm-hmm. And then three months to marriage. He was in a rush, and he had just been wanting to get married for a long time, and all these women said no. And I had just gone through a complete devastating heart, heartbreak, and I thought I would never open my heart again. Like, it, it was too painful. And so here was a guy who was pursuing me, who seemed to love me, who seemed very safe, he seemed like he had all the right values. He'd be a good dad, a good husband. And so I had shut my heart down by then, and I just said, this seems like a good idea. And so I kind of went along. I think I, I postponed the engagement by a week. And um, funny story how <laughs> how we got engaged. He, So my ex-husband is a comedian. Um, he's a puppeteer and a comedian. And he had this puppet, Rocco, who had been on Saturday Night Live. and. He was performing at one of the comedy clubs and he, in the hotel room before he went on stage, he had Rocco propose to me. And I said, I'm sorry, but (laughs) you're not having your puppet propose to me. (laughs) That's just not happening. I am not going to tell this story. Years later, it's just like you're copping out. Like you've got (laughs) to do the work. So I think it was that night in the comedy club, he... He had given out these little party hats and party blowers, like from New Year's Eve. He had the the guy, from, the guy who owned the comedy, um, the place, he gave these things out. I had no idea. And my ex-husband calls me up on stage and proposes to me on stage, and everybody had their party blowers <laughs> and their hats on. So that was cute. And I said, okay, you know, good job. And then he said, now you have to propose to me. Oh, my God. So challenge on. So so on the flight home, I asked the flight attendant if she would say what I needed to say, and she said, no, you do it. So I got on the, I don't think they would allow this anymore, but I got on the PA system, and I said, I I proposed to him, and I said, if you accept, raise your hand or stand up or something, and a couple of guys got up in the
0: flight. It was really funny. (laughs) and you left with one of those guys. No. <laughs> I, I
1: well, it might have been more interesting, but yeah. It was
0: not not to be. <laughs> so, you had when you decided to get married, you had a certain list of criteria. And in the book you talk about having how to basically make a list, but how to create a list for for the qualities that really, really matter in compatibility. How, what kind of clarity do you have around the list now that maybe you didn't have when you said yes all those years ago?
1: Yeah, so then it was all about safety. And I also came from parents who were divorced and I really had no clarity about what those key character traits or things I needed in a partner, and I didn't know how to be the right partner either. So I think that's true for a lot of us when we're in our 20s and we're kind of dating in the dark, just not knowing what we're doing. And so I thought I needed a man who wanted to raise his kids as Orthodox Jewish, because that's what I was then. And he was, but he was newly into it, and I was brought up with it. And so his approach was so different from mine. And that's something that I've found to be really interesting because a lot of people say, oh, I'm Christian and I want to marry a Christian, so I'm gonna go in Christian mingle. And then they go in Christian mingle and there's a lot of like wackadoodles on there. And, or people who aren't really Christian, or, you know, it's just not a guarantee that you're going to really be compatible. And mm-hmm. so my ex-husband's approach to God and Judaism was completely different from mine. And I saw that, but I wasn't understanding that that's actually worldview, and it made a big difference in how we approached crisis, which we had a lot of and and how we processed stuff, and how we reached out to community and all those things, which are really important. So now I when I take a client through this process and I talk about it in the book, it's really about how do you want to feel. When you get really clear how you want to feel with a person, and so let's take safety because that's a big one, safety emotionally, safety physically, safety financially, so you can go through all those categories, and then you ask, who does that person have to be for me to feel that way? So if a person is emotionally safe, they have to be a good communicator. They have to be able to work through conflict with me. They have to be able to set boundaries and respect boundaries. So so that those are the, some of the things that when you, when you feel that, you're going to have a sense of knowing as opposed to somebody who's six feet tall and has a full head of hair and has a good sense of humor, which is what most people write.
0: <laughs> right. And they might have a good head of hair now. <laughs> That's right. But speaking from the other side, <laughs> sometimes it changes, and everything you have to changes. Have more, <laughs> right, exactly. You have to have more substance there to build it on. Uh, I love how you've you've laid it out in the book and how you you help people clarify that. Let's assume people are using using art strategies here. They they are ending up getting to the first date. <laughs> you, you host Last First Date Radio. So tell me what are your favorite first date success tips?
1: One of the most important things, I think, is to really look at how you're preparing for your first date as you would prepare for anything important in your life. And a lot of people put very little time into, what am I going to talk about? how am I going to frame my stories? That's something I love working with clients on because we often overshare. We share in a way that feels scary to the other person. Uh, I'm going to have to be your caretaker. Oh my God, you have all these illnesses and things in your past, or or you bond on your dysfunctional family, or you make fun of your exes. And People just say things that are self-sabotaging on first dates. So prepare your stories. (laughs) And a lot of people say, well, I'm not that interesting. I don't have any stories. But we all have stories. We all have something that we enjoy doing, passions, goals, dreams, vacations that we loved. So telling about these things and saying why. Why did I love that vacation that I took to, I don't know, Italy? Did you like the culture? Did you like meeting the people? Did you like the pizza? When you start Always to the pizza, share. For sure, for Yeah. The, yeah. the, <laughs> the, pizza, <laughs> the coffee, sure. the, the baguettes in France. I mean, you know, there are people who can then jump on that conversation, talk about the foods they love. And so we're having a conversation. It's not super heavy, but it starts to give you a window into somebody's life. Or the job question, you know, what what do you do? The most boring question <laughs> in the world. People get okay, the a lawyer. Great. What does that mean? I don't know. Like, that's the end of the conversation, unless you say, what do you love about being a lawyer? What's your favorite your favorite part of that job? Or if you could do anything in the world, would you still be doing this, or would you choose something else, and why? And so, yeah, I, I think, you know, if you start a conversation saying, what do you love most about your work, you get a sense of a person, about their soul, and not just what they do, but who they are.
0: Mm. That's so key. And I, I would add to that, also listening. I feel like we don't work on our listening skills. So, like, like people may practice these stories, but then... If you're not connecting the threads and you're, you're just kind of, I, I, I'm going to tell my story now, <laughs> <laughs> then that's not a great first date experience for the other person probably, right?
1: And <laughs> uh, no. knew. I remember I was once interviewed for one of the summits that we do. And the person was asking me these questions and then go, okay. And then go to the next question. I was just like, have a little reflection on what I just shared. Uh, yeah, so it should be a good give and take. Which also brings me to the fact that a lot of women are great listeners and don't get a chance to actually say anything, and that's a big complaint. I'm sure you've heard also from women who feel like, you know, I'm. I just I listen because I'm a good listener, and I was always told to be kind and be a good listener. But you have to sometimes interrupt people and share some of your life. And I don't think it's a, I think it's a good thing to gently interrupt somebody and say, is there anything you would like to hear about me? Or change the topic when it's going down a road that you don't want to go down so that you don't end up just being the, uh, the recipient of somebody's dump which is really what it is when they're dumping out all their stuff on you. They don't know anything about you, but they got it all off their chest.
0: Yeah, that is so key, Sandy. Really, I I look at it as really taking an active role in the date that you're on. And just going back to this idea of choice points, you you have so much choice when you're on the date. But sometimes we just we just give it up and we're just like, well, I'm just on this date. This guy's talking about his car again. So I guess that's what we're doing. And I want more people to feel empowered to to speak up, to change the subject, to make suggestions about where to go on the date, to, you know, really feel like an active participant in their dating life instead of just getting stuck in the endless swipe and the endless same conversation about what do you do for a living where did you grow up and like we're all tired of it aren't we <laughs> <laughs> definitely
1: and you said the magic word empowerment i mean i think so many people think they don't have these choices that they they have to go where the person said they should go you know like somebody recently asked me for my address now i've been talking to him for a long time i feel like i know him but I'm not comfortable giving him my address and I'm not going to do it. And so I have no problem saying I don't feel comfortable giving my address to somebody I haven't met yet and I'd be happy to meet you in a public place. Give me a call. He doesn't live in town. So, you know, it's like give me a call when you're here and we'll discuss. Yeah. You know, other people would say, oh, but I don't know, maybe he'll get really pissed off if I say that. And, you know, we've been talking for a while and... You need to keep yourself safe. And if somebody suggests, I, I mean, suggest a restaurant and you don't have anything to eat there because of your eating specific, you know, the food preferences, I had a client who never would speak up. She would go out to eat and she was vegetarian and would never have anything to eat when even with friends. And you've got to be able to say, hey, let's find a place where we all can eat. Can we all think of some place where we all can eat instead of just agreeing and feeling like you always have to put your needs last? Mm,
0: yes. So that's actually a great place to bring this to a close. We've been talking a lot about choice points and in dating and your new book, but as the host of Last First Date Radio, if you want it, the next first date to be your last any final words of wisdom that you could share with the dates and mates audience
1: yeah i mean practice your choices this is actually a question i ask all my all my podcast guests and so i love this question because it's it's got so many varied answers i think you have to really do the work do the inner work so that you know yourself you're clear who are you what do you want in a partner, and then you'll be much more comfortable, first of all, expressing what you want, expressing who you are, but also walking away from people who are not a good fit without feeling guilty or second-guessing yourself. And just like you did, Demona, when you were clear that that wasn't working, you were open to finding your husband a short time after. It's that clarity and that focus that helps you to go on your last first date
0: thank you so much for joining me sandy be sure to follow sandy on instagram at last first date one that's last first date in the number one and you can grab a copy of her new book choice points in dating empowering women to make healthier decisions in love you know the links they'll be in the show notes in a moment i'll be back to answer the following listener question how can i tell if my match is practicing slow love or if it's something more sinister (laughs) stick around. I love getting your questions in voicemail, in text, in DMs by carrier pigeon. Okay, no, the carrier pigeon. That that's not real. (laughs) But however you send me your questions, I love to hear them. And I think a lot of you can relate to this next one. help me. This is an Instagram message from a listener named Jean. She says, Hi, Damona. I met this guy on Facebook dating on December 3rd. We exchanged numbers and have FaceTime and I'm ready to meet. But he wants to wait. Please see his message about why. Does he sound sincere? Okay, now I'm going to go into my reading message from Guy Voice. Good morning. A lot happened yesterday, and I received a lot spiritually, and I think we take this meeting and get to know each other very slowly. Let's continue to chat and text and FaceTime, only allow some more time and learning about our persons before we take any steps further. I am a very demanding and strong-willed, outspoken man that cares deeply and loves hard. The woman with me has to be able to understand and accept me as I do her without judgment, and not one second think, I do her any harm or mean her any ill will. I, like you, caps, by the way, uh, I do want to grow with you. But because the man I am and things I've been through, I don't want to ruin our opportunities. So I think and feel it's best we take more time learning and chatting before we start planning on anything sexual or having some physical interaction. Okay, I didn't really keep with the guy voice, but you understand. I wanted to read that whole message aloud because the first thing that I thought, Gene, when I read that, I'm just going to give it to you straight. No chaser. That did not sound like English was his first language. Like when you read it aloud, there's a lot of grammatical errors that sounded weird, right? So this is a good tip for anyone that gets a message and is like, hmm, I don't know about this. Like, of course, some people make just make typographical errors errors, but it's the syntax. If it doesn't sound constructed correctly, and I don't know where you're sending this in from, Gene. So, you know, maybe, and and maybe you already know that he is not based in the U.S. if you are, but that's the first thing to look out for. Does it sound like they are from where they say they're from and that their native language is actually the language that they say they speak? That's number one. Number two, when I hear you met on December 3rd and girl, we're creeping up on springtime, I think, what is he trying to hide? Why is it taking him so long? Now it says he wants to chat and text and FaceTime. So I would assume you've seen this person, you've seen their face. Um, maybe? I'm hoping you have, but it sounds like maybe not. And when I say slow love, I'm not talking about slow love and meeting. I kind of look at that first phase of getting to know one another as it's really more of like a samba than it is a waltz. So it's the samba is quick, quick, slow, quick, quick, slow. (laughs) That's how you, you should think of the pattern of meeting. In the beginning, it's quick, match, quick, meet, quick slow, get to know each other. So you matched in December. I assume you started chatting pretty quickly. And I say you should really be meeting somebody that you're matching with online, assuming that they are in the same location as you, same city. You should be meeting them within one week I'm putting this timeline on. I don't like timelines because I think everything unfolds at its own pace, but I'm putting this timeline on because I do get so many questions, Jean, about this phase. So one week is what I aim for with my clients. And then if you are not in the same place, I say you should be making plans to meet up in person within about one month. But a FaceTime where you see them, you see their face, and you see the words coming out of their mouth, that should be happening within the first week if they are not in the same location as you. Because what happens is you develop this false idea of who this person is. So now you've spent three months falling in love with an idea. And look, I i give this guidance because we have all done it before, and I've seen... C- countless clients do this. But I want to give you knowledge and I want to give you the tools to know how to navigate this differently. So no, you've done slow love. Slow love is over. Now you've got to bring this to a head. My instinct, and I hate to I hate to make judgments without having met this person. My instinct is that this is a catfish and that you should go back to my episode with Cammie Crawford from the fall. She's the co-host of Catfish, the TV show, where we talked about signs of a catfish. That would be a helpful episode to listen to. I suspect he is not who he says he is. And he's delaying wanting to meet you because he's trying to keep you on the hook do not give this person money, first of all. Do not um, fly them anywhere. (laughs) Do not send them a cell phone. Do not send them a debit card. You need to see who this person is legit. And you need to bring it to a head because even if this person is who they say they are, you can't keep contributing your emotional energy to something that may not be real. And if he's not ready after three months, then when would he be ready? You need to free yourself up so that you can focus on the next great match. That brings us to the end of episode 457 of Dates and Mates. I just realized we passed 450 and we didn't even... We didn't even do a party or anything. I guess we'll have to wait for 500. <laughs> in the meantime, if you have a question, I'd love to hear from you. The DMs are open at Damona Hoffman on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you know, I love a good voice memo. So don't be afraid to DM me. You can just literally push the little microphone button in the DMs and I can hear your sweet, sweet voice. Or you can give me a call at 424 246 Six two five five. That is our voicemail line and our text line, twenty four seven. All right, you want to know what's coming up next Tuesday? We are going to be with certified dating and relationship coach Lauren Zoller. She's going to be talking about how you can become. aligned in love personally and in your relationships. We're going to do a little spring cleaning. We're going to celebrate my anniversary month and we are going to have a blast here on Dates and Mates. Until then, I wish you happy dating.